Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram is a director at Galileo Capital. He's a personal financial advisor and very kindly on a Thursday night gives us most Thursdays of his time to share his wisdom and his experience. And he's uh, always eager to take your calls on anything that uh, takes your fancy when it comes to personal finance. Any questions, any conundrums, any problems that you have, give us a shout. You can do it via the phone numbers of 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567 or via WhatsApp or old-fashioned way by sms i saw somebody the other day posting a comment saying i was you know had to sms someone because they don't have whatsapp and then i was waiting for the blue ticks and they never came and that's how we become so used to uh, newer technologies warren ingram uh there's a lot of noise and there is always a lot of noise but there is a cacophony of noise at the moment that is leading to a, a really unfortunate trend and that trend is those that can afford it or those who think they can afford it uh, or those who probably can't afford it but want to do it anyway are very seriously considering leaving South Africa's shores and trying their luck elsewhere. The trend of emigration is, I don't know if it's quite at pandemic proportions, but certainly it's elevated. It is elevated, and and it's it's interesting, um, you, you know, th- thinking about it f- uh, b- before tonight that we we seem to hit this uh, om- almost in cycles on 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 the show, you know, and, and I think it it sort of peaks when when we feel uh, at threat, you know, and and and, and sustained periods of load shedding, uh, and you know, around the country, and then water shedding in Johannesburg in particular will will do that to to people, you know, and. and uh, the, the sense of hopelessness and and lack of control over your immediate environment are are, are real concerns for a lot of uh, people and and I think you know very often uh, I mean not limited to parents but very especially parents will look at this and and just feel that they are not you know in a position to look after their their families correctly uh, and and so you know immigration you know then then moves moves kind of higher on the agenda and higher on the rank of concerns for a lot of people, add market volatility and, and everything else, and, and fear levels are high and rising. And, and, and then immigration becomes a, 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 a real topic of conversation again. As one of my favorite authors, the man who wrote Factfulness, Hans Rosling, says, you cannot make decisions if your mind is clouded by fear. So let's put fear aside, let's put emotion aside, and let's look to the facts of the issues that surround individuals, families that are considering immigration. What are the, is there like a, a, a 10 point, 100 point, 500 point checklist? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's it's firstly to understand, um, you know, at its core, what what are, what are your real reasons for for moving? You know, so to be frustrated and to be angry and all of those things are human and natural and understandable, but but you need to distill that and 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 get to the point of saying, if I get on an airplane and and I relocate myself and my family. Uh, to, to, you know, the, the, the next place, whatever that next place is, wh- what is it that I'm hoping to achieve? And, and then be very clear on, on whether that, that is actually possible and, and whether you will achieve a better standard of living if that's what you're looking for. You know, a lot of the time people will say, well, we're moving for the children. You know, we want to give our children a better life. And that's, that's a, I mean, it's a fantastic motivation. The, 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 the truth is if you're moving from, you know, a, 
200 square meter home, uh, you know, or 400 square meter home, uh, you know, where your kids are at great schools and, and well, you know, well kind of catered for and, and live a good standard of life. And you're moving the entire family into, you know, an 80 square, square, square meter apartment. Uh, the kids are going to, you know, rather large public schools and, and, uh, you know, everyone takes a massive step backwards in standard of living and they will now be permanent outsiders, permanent foreigners. Uh, you know, are, are you doing this for their lives? Are, are their lives going to be materially better? And it's 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 questions to to ask yourself, not 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 uh, not to say that 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 you know you you and I are going to provide them the the answers on a on a on a show like no, this. No, that, 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 rather... those are psychological issues. Those are, are choice issues. But um, there is uh, there are unfortunately unavoidable facts in this process that you have to consider as well. So let's say you have the desire, you have the wish, you have the motivation. You think it's going to be better for your family. Let's except that you believe that. Then you've got to look at the financial consequences of doing so. You may have a very nice job on the other side. You may have uh, take a business with you, whatever the case might be. But the process of doing this, there are consequences on multiple levels, from taxation to transfer costs to, to moving costs, all of the stuff that you kind of think you know, but you probably don't. True. So, so I mean, one of the immediate things is if you if you doing the immigration process and 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 immigration is is twofold. One is, and it sounds funny to say, there's two parts to immigration. The one is a physical thing. You 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 move yourself from country A to country B, but but in the South African context, there's a a financial immigration as well, and and that's a very uh, um, uh, kind of tricky, complex uh, process that you have to go through, and and that. That entails, uh, you know, actually informing SARS and going through a process where, where you declare that you are leaving South Africa um, and and you're and you're changing your your status as a South African taxpayer to to an, a taxpayer elsewhere, and and the the most immediate and most important consequence to understand of that is that 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 financial immigration means that on the day you you financially immigrate and let's just say it's you know it's tomorrow so it's the fourteenth of of October, that, that, that SARS will say everything that you own that is outside of a retirement fund, it is deemed that you have sold all of those assets. So whether you, you know, whether you have a big portfolio of investments overseas that you're never planning to sell, you know, uh, you know, property in Malta or anything, whatever it is that you own overseas that's and in South Africa that's not in a retirement fund, SARS says we 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 now treat that as a sale of assets and therefore. If you've made profit, you, you are now liable for capital gains on on all of those uh, th- those profits that you may or may not actually have made at this point in time. So includes your your private res- you know your primary residence if that's your home in South Africa. All of those things are deemed to be sold on a day, and and that catches people out uh, very often because they're just you know would would say well hang on you know I'm only selling my house in you know June 2023 that's when the tenants move out what, what, uh, you know I'm not selling my my overseas investments it doesn't matter F- financial immigration it's a trigger it's a legal trigger and it says you you are now uh, liable for tax on that on that money so that's a a real cost you have to plan for and and you have to have the cash available. To, to, to pay that, that, that tax. It's, you know, SARS doesn't change your status, uh, if you don't have the cash to pay the, the, the tax. Um, in addition, they're going to say to you that, you, you know, your, your, uh, your retirement funds, you know, you might have a provident fund, for example, at the company that you work at and you decide I'm, I'm going to send that money, uh, overseas. So, so that means that you're cashing in a retirement fund. We, we've spoken many times about 
the, the huge tax, tax consequence of that because it means uh, essentially you're going to give away probably half of that to tax as well. So Explain, that's not capital ex- gains tax. Now, again, this is important. Explain, okay, because capital gains tax is one thing. You bought your house for 1 million rand 10 years ago and you're lucky enough to sell it for 4 million. You've made a 3 million rand capital gain. Um, you've got to pay capital gains tax on that and that there's a calculation for that. Your retirement fund and you think, oh, good, I've managed to put 3 million rand away over 20 years of work in my company retirement fund, I can simply cash that in. So I've got 3 million from the house, I've got 3 million from my pension fund, I'm 42 years old, maybe slightly older, I'm 45 years old, whatever the case is, Um, I've got a 6 million rand head start when I get into foreign jurisdiction B except you haven't calculated that you're going to lose 20% of the capital gain on the property, so you get less than the 3 million there. And the reason you're getting taxed to death on cashing in your retirement fund early is because you've been given a great big fat tax benefit in the first place to put your money away in that retirement fund. And SARS is saying, well, you no longer are exercising the purpose of your retirement fund. You're not taking the money for retirement. You're cashing it in. So therefore, the rules say, for whatever reason you cash it in, to buy a Bentley or to move offshore, well, unfortunately, that then is taxed at the highest marginal rate, which is, what, 45%, right? Yeah, so so let's just take the 3 million rand example. So so the, essentially what happens is that 3 million rand that you've cashed in gets added to, to whatever other salary or taxable income you've earned in, in this year uh, and in this tax year. And therefore, the, the likelihood is you are going to give away 40, 45% of that to, to SARS uh, for the luxury of accessing your, your capital. So, so quite right. Uh, you know, you, you are, you know, just plan on, 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 you know, half of your retirement fund disappearing for, for tax. Um, in addition to that, you know, other retirement funds, let's say a retirement annuity, you, you might not be able to access for, for three years um, after you've financially immigrated. So, so there, you know, there'll be a hold on that until three years have passed, and then you can access that, uh, that, that money, and then there'll, there'll be a tax uh, applicable to that as well. So, so tax is a, an enormous consequence, uh, you know, to, to, to changing your, your, your tax status in South Africa in, in, in this financial immigration process. As you said, you know, at the start, there, there are so many other costs as, as well because re- relocation is is really not a cheap exercise either. You, you know, to, to move your stuff from here to, to somewhere else is, go- is going to cost you a lot. Um, most of the time, South Africans, you, you know, they, they, they find themselves having to sell the bulk of their furniture initially in South Africa, and, and particularly if they're moving to, to, to a place like the UK or Europe, uh, when they arrive, they find that the bulk of their furniture doesn't fit into the properties in those places either. And so, and so they end up having to get that uh, taken to the dump because they, they simply the furniture doesn't fit in the house. And the, the number of stories of you're, South Africans are yeah, exactly. with that story. You'll remember Garth McKenzie. Now, Garth McKenzie was uh, the guy who was started Trader's Corner and he relocated with his family to the UK about six or seven years ago. And he wrote an entire letter, Dear South Africans, don't do what I did. And one of the things was, don't take your furniture. It won't fit. It won't fit. It simply won't. Don't do it. So sorry. Yes, it reminded me of that. So, so, so sell all your furniture and that, that, that you'll get, you know, cents on the, on the rand. So, you know, whatever it'll be for every thousand rand that you spent, you'll probably get a hundred rand, you know, back in, in, in the, in the, 
And, and then on the other side, uh, because you've got no history, uh, you know, credit history or track record in that country, uh, uh, landlords uh, tend, tend to want to buy um, tenant insurance. And those insurance companies need to do a risk assessment on you. And one of the things they will look at is your credit history and credit track record in that country. If you have none, uh, I, what, what I'm hearing from South Africans arriving in the UK at the moment, for example, is that they are being obliged to pay a year's worth of rent up front as, as a way of giving. The, the, the tenant, the, the landlord's uh, fi- financial security that, that, that they're okay. Uh, and and so, so that's a, you know, a, an expense you're going to need to budget for. And, and an, another warning, uh, you know, pro- properties for rent are, are really hard to find. So, so you, you're going to need to be really quick on that and probably pay up more than you wanted to anywhere. And, and property rental costs overseas way higher than, than, than South Africa uh, as well. So, so the, the, the financial uh, costs just keep, you know, escalating and, and, you know, then obviously uh, make sure you've got an emergency fund for all the expenses that you won't be able to foresee, you know, setting up a new house uh, in addition to the, the, the furniture and everything else that you're going to, to need to buy new w- when you get to the other side. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, anybody going? No. Okay. Excellent. I mean, it, those are the, those are the the practical realities of it, Warren. I think we can wrap this part of the discussion up here, um, and uh, just be aware of the fact that there are tax consequences in your cash. There are consequences of moving. Uh, you think you've got assets that are worth a fair amount of money because you paid a lot of money for them. They are worth what somebody else is prepared to pay you for them. That's all they are. Really, that's it. Um. Question from Ellie this evening. Current market conditions are really scaring me. You're not alone, Ellie. Uh, Gold has always brought me some peace of mind. You're not alone, Ellie, although you should be. Uh, Do you think it's wise to invest a portion of my portfolio into gold? And then how best to invest it into gold? That's a good question, too. So that with Warren in a moment. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. Currencies falling on its face. Share markets are 8,000 points off their record highs. Gold is nearly a million rand a kilogram. And naturally, when things go pear-shaped, people start to say, oh, hold on, I need to protect myself against the chaos and disruption around me. Uh, And Ellie is thinking about gold, Warren. In principle, not a terrible thing to be thinking about, right? In principle, you're right, and and like uh, in in financial markets, it's it's a bit like uh, short term insurance. It's a bit like insuring your car or or, or your house or something like that. Um, and 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 the critical point there is you need to buy the insurance long before you crash your car or your house burns down. You can't buy it afterwards. Uh, and and so looking at gold. You know, let's just say for argument's sake, maybe halfway through a stock market crash or maybe three quarters of the way through already and, and, and potentially the worst is, you know, now or, or nearly done. Um, might not be your best call, Eli. I think, you know, if we look at, uh, I always like to look at the world's wealthiest families, you know, th- those that have been you know, wealthy for two or three or four generations to, to see how is it that they, they invest their money. Uh, and, and they tend to have some gold uh, in, a, in, in their asset base. And, and, it, and it's usually in the region of about 5% of, of their, of their entire investment uh, wealth, you know, w- whether it be physical properties, businesses, shares, uh, bonds, cash, that, that 5% of, of everything they own might be in gold and silver and, and potentially platinum. And, and even, you know, in, in the physical form, you know, it might be in, in bullion, in, in safes and you know in, in mountains in Switzerland or wherever they, they keep it but but that's generally the maximum 
They, they won't, for example, go and take a third of all of their assets and, and commit it to gold. And the very simple reason is that gold gold is a nice form of insurance in most uh, most market conditions when things are are going really badly and, and, and uncertainty is at its peak. Uh, but, but the problem is that when that uncertainty starts to end, and, and, and I'm not saying it ends completely, but just starts to end, you, you find the price of gold collapses quite quickly because it doesn't generate rent, doesn't generate interest. Uh, it, it doesn't pay you a nice salary every month. It, it simply sits there costing you money if you, if you own the physical gold to store it somewhere. And, and if you own it as an exchange traded fund, for example, uh, you know, th- there is going to be some sort of, uh, ma- management cost. So, so then it becomes a dead weight on, on the rest of your assets. So, so I would say for, for people that are, are, are in a position where they've got sufficient money a, a, across all of their asset bases, you know, um, you know c- covering all of their expenses, et cetera, th- then owning some gold or some physical, uh, you know, commodities, including gold and silver and the like, m- m- makes sense. But it would be a small portion of my portfolio. But, you know, if you're young and you're trying to build up your, your wealth over long periods of time, you, you, you should be looking at these market conditions that we're in now and your eyes should be wide. You should be greedy. You should be rubbing your hands with excitement to say, I'm, I need to find as much money as I possibly can safely to, to be buying these assets now that everyone else is selling because the, the sale is on. And, 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 and that, that would be my one comment, Ellie. We don't know your age or your financial position, but, but if you're, if you're young and you're saving and you're accumulating wealth, you know, you know, buying insurance now is not the thing to do. Now, now is the time to be buying quality assets at a great discount because that's what we face right around the world. You know, in, in South Africa and globally, you know, world markets are below their, their long-term uh, average prices, which means buying them now is going to be massively rewarding for, for the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years. And, and gold won't do that. Gold's not at, you know, at an all-time low now. And it's certainly not going to be shooting up as the, as the world comes out of this current state of fear. Warren Ingram, nice and succinct. Thank you, Ellie. I hope that helps you. Thank you very much indeed. And yeah, be careful on things like Krugerrands and stuff, unless you have a safe custody place to leave the things. Um, having stuff like that at home is, is a risk. Um, if you have to buy some gold, there are exchange traded funds that can buy physical gold. You, there's the new gold product from APSA, which is not so new anymore. It's about 20 years old, but it's been very successful. You, you can do some of that. But Warren's advice, as always, is paramount. Thank you very much indeed, Warren Ingram at Galileo Capital.